0: Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at
1: floridasenergy.com.
0: Hi, it's Dalia. Just a quick word before we jump into today's episode. This conversation was recorded well before the multiple tragedies that America has experienced in the past week alone, and we're sending all of our love and light to those families affected. We are hoping that this episode and this podcast in general can provide just a little levity to your day, a break from the news that can be really hard. So we hope that this conversation provides inspiration for savoring every precious moment with the people you love. Here's the episode.
1: Punch is actually a derivative of a Hindu term, which basically translates to five. So your original punch has five ingredients. This punch was extremely different than anything we even think about today.
0: I'm Dalia Cologne, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Just in time for summer, we're breaking down how to mix a refreshing, make-ahead beverage that packs a real punch. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts a x i s f l .org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Summer means graduation season, pool parties, and backyard barbecues. In other words, we're gonna need more drinks. So today we'll hear from Justin Gray. He's Tampa Bay Chapter President of the United States Bartenders Guild. Justin makes a case for why punch is the perfect beverage for your summer get-together. He explains how punch made its way from India to the rest of the world. You'll also get tips for incorporating fresh Florida produce into your punch, how to keep beverages cold without them getting watered down, because no one wants that, and the secret to a better non-alcoholic punch. Here's my conversation with Justin Gray.
1: I think that probably I'd say in like the 50s or the 60s, When America as a commercial industry started to mass produce everything, this is when we get like uh, all these brands that are coming in like small, ready to drink kind of, uh, and not even alcohol brands, but like non-alcoholic soda brands, fruit punches and stuff. And so basically these things are food coloring, uh, citric acids, uh, artificial flavors, and then they're mass produced and they're sold at Walmart. And so the majority of the United States understands the word punch to mean that the actual punch itself when it was kind of conceptualized back in the 1700s it was a monumental step actually in uh, drink consumption alcoholic drink consumption people have been drinking alcohol since B.C. era. Um, at least that's what we have historical records of uh, simple at the beginning. And then as advancements in uh, civilization or tools, vessels become uh, more available. And one of those marks that's very significant is the uh, invention of punch. Um, so at the time when punch came about, punch is actually a derivative of a Hindu term, which basically translates to five. Um, And so your original punch has five ingredients. This punch was extremely different than anything we even think about today. Uh, If we talk about going to happy hour right now, we're thinking about vibes. We're thinking about the music. We're thinking about these ice cold quick drinks that we're shooting that are taking the sting off of the day. We didn't have any of the streaming stations in the 1700s. We didn't have refrigeration. We didn't have ice. So cold cocktails wasn't even an invention then. Back then, people were drinking warm to hot cocktails just because ice or freezers or refrigeration hadn't been invented in the 1700s. So what people were drinking back then was this uh, large serving, primarily uh, alcohol and water-based Served in a punch bowl, either hot or at room temperature, with kind of very haphazard early ingredients. But really, the foundations of punch are the water, which I mentioned, the alcohol, some sort of citrus, some sort of sugar, and then spice. And that's the punch or the five ingredients that kind of give life to this serving that we're talking about. You'll have a ladle and you're serving this kind of early, like very rudimentary cocktail.
0: I had no idea. That is a long way from my middle school gym. <laughs> so are we are we talking about Europe or are we talking about what would become the United States?
1: This would have began in India. And then the idea of punch, again, that term being Hindi, that drinking culture, Uh, was very much something that the Dutch developed and was happening in Europe. When they came to the United States, they absolutely brought this idea of punch with them. So if you think about early settlements in America, Jamestown Colony, a little bit later, maybe 200 years or so, a little bit later, you would have found them bringing that same tradition of punch into the United States. But yeah, primarily it would have started in Europe, Southern Asia.
0: That is really interesting so punch is really a civilized very sophisticated drink then it's not just for middle school dance or maybe a frat party how what happened what happened to punch that it got this kind of bad rap
1: the whiskey sour um, is a really good example or the margarita actually is probably a better example um if you take a fresh margarita and you take a margarita made with sour mix from a soda gun you're going to notice some key things, uh, primarily just the freshness of the citrus and the authenticity of the citrus. I alluded kind of to that period in the 50s and 60s when um, we took literally everything from alcoholic mixers to even just uh, non-alcoholic beverages that families were consuming inside of their homes, Coca-Colas and stuff, punches, uh, fruit punches, various juices that were now from concentrate that we're not having fresh orange juice anymore or fresh lemonade or grapefruit juice. It's all from concentrate. If you taste side by side, this fresh product versus this mass produced product, it's definitely going to be different. Sadly, it's kind of what happened you know, during COVID when so many restaurants and so many brands uh, were going out of business and you started seeing the necessity, unfortunately, of uh, trying to preserve what you could maybe batching some items, doing drinks that were sustainable, had a longer shelf life. And so you basically have had these periods in American history where for whatever reason, whether it's increased demand um, and just trying to increase manufacturing and production to keep up with that demand to potentially creating a more shelf-stable item, you start to get away from the pure, fresh, natural ingredients um, and start to end up with a product. Unfortunately, that tastes a little bit more like what you drink at your middle school dance. Hopefully what you had at your middle school dance didn't have any alcohol.
0: (laughs) I might have to question some of my classmates just to double check on that. Okay. Let's talk about how to make it better, right? Let's elevate it. Let's take it out of the middle school gym and let's bring it to like a summer pool party in Florida or like a rooftop situation because that could be fun. What are the keys to a good summertime beverage?
1: There, there are some, I guess, really basic elements. Uh, the great part about a punch is one, it is very basic. It's super simple to make, and once you've made it, you now have servings for the entire day. Now you get the opportunity to get back to talking with your guests, taking photos or selfies hopping in the pool and maybe losing your phone, who knows, but you're not having to stand at a stationary place and serve all each of your guests, a cocktail. So making a punch is great for entertaining doing a day party or a brunch or something like that, just because it's going to give you time to do what's important. You're spending time with the people that are there with you. But again, what I started with, it's super simple water, the spirit itself. What's so great about a punch is if I make you a cocktail, that's five ounces. Um, any deviation in flavor or ingredient is going to taste, you're going to experience that flavor more significantly than if I'm off by one ounce in a gallon or two gallon serving of punch. If I'm off by one ounce and two gallons versus if I'm off by one ounce in a cocktail, that punch is going to be so much more forgiving. So you don't have to be a mixologist or an experienced person to to make a great punch. If you put a little too much vodka in there, add a little more water, or maybe your guests just have a little more fun that night, make sure everybody (laughs) Ubers. Um, But yeah, so really the elements of it are very simple. Uh, When we talk about sweet, what does that mean? Sweet can mean any number of things. If we're talking about base level, the when would you originally make a punch? I would take lemons or limes. And when I peel that skin away from the exterior by the time i'm done my fingers are going to be sticky and they're going to smell like lemons that's the oil that oil will organically transfer to anything so what we traditionally did was we would add sugar to those lemon peels and let it sit overnight and then eventually what happens is that sugar is going to pull all the oil out and then you're left with this really rich almost like limoncello kind of ingredient or limoncello kind of ingredient but that's going to be the base of your punch from there you add your water, you add your spirit and then whatever your spice is, that could be cloves, cinnamon, at the time, it was probably some variations of herbal teas when we created it in the 1700s. Where again, we're talking about Asia and Europe. So it was probably some sort of tea spice or something like that that we were putting in there. But that's your punch. That's it. You're done. There are always overachievers that want to inspire or make something uh, a little better than what it has to be. And I think that's kind of what drives the evolution and development of all things that cocktail culture no different. So if we're talking about elevating that cocktail. Okay, well, we're not going to change the formula, but what we can change are the values for the ingredients there. So I wouldn't stray away from using water. I wouldn't stray away from using spirit, but that does leave an entire world of fruit options, of sweet options and spice options as well. And actually, I'm going to recant what I said about the water momentarily, but with good reason. If we want to elevate that cocktail We could take a rum, for instance. We have our rum, we have our water. Let's say we did a little bit of lime skin and then some fresh rosemary and then added some sugar to that, let that sit overnight. And that's going to make what's called an oleo. And that's basically what I described as like that lemon or lime cello liquid that is the result of the sugar pulling the oil out of the the lime. Support for the
0: Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at Seitenbacher.com. So am I just taking white sugar and sprinkling it on top? Yep.
1: It's yep. that simple. And and it's it's one of those things where it's a natural process. It's not something that we have to activate if you put sugar in citrus peels or herbs, if you put sugar and in, into a container together without you doing anything, without any human action or interference, it's naturally going to pull all of that oil into the sugar. And the oil coming out of the herbs or the citrus peel is still an oil. So the volume of oil that's going to come out is actually going to yield this sweet liquid that tastes like pure lemon or pure lime or pure pineapple or pure strawberries or whatever you put in there.
0: I love that because a lot of punches are too syrupy sweet and they don't Mm -hmm. have any other notes. So I love that we get to control the sweetness and it has a little bit more complexity. Now, am I putting this sugar laden lemon or lime in the fridge? Am I leaving it on the counter overnight? Talk to me like I'm a child, except a child who drinks.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll try. You can put it in the fridge overnight. Literally, if if you do it at the end of your day, and you wake up the next morning, your oleo will be ready. It's not like a 24 hour, you don't have to wait two days or something like that. You'll start to see it occurring within like three hours. Within three hours, you'll start to see the sugar crystals start to kind of appear to be like immersed in a sort of the liquid and the sugar. And as more time progresses, usually within like eight hours, you'll have enough to to build your cocktail. You have your base spirit, your rum or your whiskey or gin, whatever you drink tequila, if it's, uh, we're talking summertime. Rum's perfect for summertime as well. Gin's perfect for summertime. The water element, for the most part, we can keep the same. Uh, but now we've taken, um, instead of doing just lime, we added the rosemary or maybe we added some fresh pineapple to it and it's going to have the same effect. So now we have like a pineapple lime cordial that we're tasting. Cordial, this word I use is kind of the oleo that I'm referring to as well. So these are ways to elevate the sweet element. So then your sour element, Whether you're using lemon juice, lime juice, grapefruit, Meyer lemon, yuzu, um, you get a chance to enjoy the entire planet of citrus. So getting outside of your traditional lemon and lime that we see here, bergamot and these other fruit are ways that you can elevate the cocktail there. Um, So now you're able to elevate the sweet, you're able to elevate whatever your citrus component is of the cocktail um, what's really, really, really fun to do is if you are making a punch, instead of using water, maybe use some water to dilute it. But now another way, especially this season and right now where we are culturally, who doesn't love Prosecco, champagne or, or any sparkling wine? So now we're talking about topping our punch with, you know, some some champagne or maybe one of our favorite rosé rosés are definitely in right now. So let's say we had the fresh lime. We did strawberry instead. Uh, Let's say we do a really great gin right now is six o'clock gin. So we could do that. And then we're going to finish that with a rosé, the rosé and the strawberries. They're going to play so well together, add a little bit of mint for a garnish. And now this thick, syrupy, weirdly red punch you used to drink in middle school is now this light, fresh, clean, crisp effervescent, like really fun um, and beautiful cocktail that your guests show up and you have strawberries and mint leaves that are kind of like immersed in the cocktail or in the punch bowl itself and it's great if you're scooping to get a little bit of that in your glass i mean you can eat the strawberry the aromatics from the mint are definitely great in the actual cocktail itself uh, so it's totally okay if that happens those are ways in which you can elevate the traditional punch or worst case scenario the punch that you're stuck with um, <laughs> that you've been describing from uh, middle school
0: <laughs> this sounds so festive. And I love all the ideas you're giving for how to use like strawberries and rosemary and lemons. And we're here in Florida. So there's a bounty to pick from any other yeah. Florida fruits or herbs or maybe things that aren't at the supermarket, but we could procure from a, a garden center or a farmer's market or, or just anything else that might be a little bit surprising.
1: I would say we have some really great Asian markets here and I'm able to find literally the most incredible assortments of fresh watermelon sodas. Lychees are always a bunch of fun. The actual fruit itself, it's delicious and it's a very unique like, look, but the juice that it yields, it carries so much sweetness. You're able to utilize that in a way that's not going to make your cocktail overly sweet, going to give you and your guests a very unique kind of fun, unexpected flavor, and just kind of it delivers in a cocktail. Not that they are out of left field or surprising, but when you catch them in season, uh, just a a month or so ago, we were going through strawberry, uh, blueberry, and blackberry season here. Um, Getting those common elements at the peak of their ripeness is really going to give you a very different cocktail than if you're getting them in October, August, September, um, in the fall, when traditionally those are kind of more like stone fruits, which is when you would utilize there. So peach, apricot, that that sort of dates, that flavor profile. Depending on the season, look at what's popping right then. So again, I, I love grapefruit, always love grapefruit. Grapefruit with a little bit of salt goes a long way, um, It really buffers a lot of the bitterness and gives you more of just kind of the fruit element of the grapefruit. If you can find uh, tamarind, tamarind is really hot right now. So not a fruit tamarind, but it's in a lot of cocktails. Tamarind has a really unique flavor. It's going to add a slightly savory element. But the great part about tamarind is it works well with so many fruit flavors, whether you're talking about citrus fruits or berries or melons. Uh, But what's really interesting about tamarind is it has this almost glowing or radiant color about it as well. So that's a lot of fun to use. And I think that's perfect for this season right now.
0: I'm loving all these ideas and I I could talk to you all day, but as we start to wrap up here, how can we tweak some of these recipes for the teetotalers, the kids, someone who's maybe pregnant or otherwise not
1: drinking? Sure. So the basic element of the water is safe. The citrus and sugar elements are safe. What's really fun for me in both alcoholic and non-alcoholic punches is the utilization of teas. So actually taking now, right now, we have so many great flavorful and herbal teas that are available. I found a uh, mango papaya tea with like white peach in it. And so actually making that tea, that can become a more substantial portion of the cocktail. And you can add even still, so going back to when I was saying, let's say we took our lemon peels. Whatever fruit we start with, if we've now decided to add maybe some thyme as a fresh herb, maybe we add thyme and strawberry there as well. And now we integrate this tea, we have flavors that are there that are complex they're, they're serving these flavors are giving you cocktail like and especially if you use sparkling water like carbonated soda water add ice in a garnish and you're getting cocktail vibes hundred percent so you still get the complexity the all these different crazy flavors that are going to be there you're still going to get especially if you add the sparkling maybe you get the texture you feel like maybe you're having you know a brunch mimosa or something like that but without the actual alcohol serving as well Removing the alcohol and then focusing on possibly altering what you're using as your water. So the sparkling water I introduced, uh, making an actual a tea and allowing that to serve as the the spirit portion. So if you were to use a bottle, which is 25 ounces roughly, using maybe 25 ounces of this tea. And with the tea, you're able to control how much water you add or, or don't add to it. The alcohol makes the punch feel stronger. But it's not necessary for your guests to see or taste. And we drink with our eyes. We drink with our nose. So they can still smell the fresh herbs. They can still taste all the complex flavors. They can still see this beautiful cocktail. And they don't necessarily have to feel the alcohol.
0: I love the tea idea. Tea is really having a moment. You mentioned adding ice. Is that okay? You said... 300 years ago, they were drinking it warm. Obviously, that's not going to fly here in Florida. How do we keep it cold?
1: (laughs) They were drinking in the dark then as well, and I don't think we need to do that. So just because that's the way it was always done doesn't mean we have to rely on that. I think adding ice is 100% okay. If you have the opportunity to... The best way to preserve your drink when you're doing a punch is to make or acquire a large block of ice. And by large block, I mean at minimum like five to six inches by five to six inches. If you get ice out of your refrigerator or ice from Wawa or, or you know whatever gas station, that little ice is going to melt so fast, you're going to have to continue to add ice one. And now your cocktail is pretty much just going to taste like water. If you take a large enough sphere, five, six, maybe even like eight by eight inches, that's going to chill your entire cocktail and it's going to melt a lot slower. So you're going to have a more honest cocktail throughout. And if you're already adding water, you've decided how much water you want to add. You don't need the ice's help. So having a large block of ice is really going to help. When the hell do you get a large block of ice from? It's easy. Find yourself a cooler, any igloo cooler, one of the small ones and fill it with water and put it in your freezer. All the water is going to freeze in the shape of the cooler. So if you have one of the small mini igloo coolers, you literally have an ice maker right there. So then when you take it out of the cooler, you have what's now shaped as the cooler, this block, this large block of ice that you're able to put into your cocktail. It's going to keep your cocktail nice and cold and you don't have to worry about it watering down your cocktail too fast.
0: That is a great life hack. I love that. Those and you little, can
1: use that for more than just punch. Yeah, anytime you
0: need an But the wheels are already the turning. Applications,
1: the applications are great.
0: Are endless. All right, we've got about two minutes left here, but I want to know a little bit about you. Your passion is coming through. I can tell you are so creative. So briefly, how did you get into this and why are you passionate about it?
1: In 93, I think was kind of, uh, so I was born in 85 and then in 93, I got a chance to do some traveling. And then in 97, um, I started skiing for the very first time. I was very young. I love to ski. I've been skiing over 20 years. But my uncle, actually, who to me is the Dos Equis man, he was a surgeon uh, for a very long time. And uh, before he retired, he would practice surgery for three months out of the year. Uh, he would scuba dive three months out of the year. He would ski three months out of the year and then just travel for three months. Uh, he doesn't have any kids. Uh, his gift to all of his nieces and nephews was taking us to Europe upon graduation. So I went to Europe for a month upon graduation. So did my brother, all of my cousins. So this uncle is always just kind of opened up the entire world to us. Even before I was into food and beverage, I was into appreciating eating good, drinking good. Um, I enjoy great cigars. I actually used to own a luxury clothing brand. So just kind of understanding why the finer things, not in a shallow and kind of fleeting way, but luxury items became luxury because someone gave a damn when they created it. And so being able to tap into that, to appreciate and replicate that when you have the opportunity to I think is really special. So I think that kind of grew out of me seeing more than just Tampa, Florida, which is where I grew up, actually getting a chance to see so many other things. So once I got into bartending, I actually, you know, worked at, you know, not great bars in the beginning. I was bartending while I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, So I didn't really have a clear vision or anything. But what happened was organically, the world of bartending from spirits, tequila that comes from Mexico and rums that come from the Caribbean and scotches that come from Europe, you have access to the entire globe, all of their cultures, flavors, everything that makes them unique. Um, so the tie-in there was natural. I mean, it just, it felt it was very easy. So that's kind of how I arrived here. Happy to still be doing it. Really enjoy getting a chance to talk to folks like yourself about it.
0: Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. And maybe we'll call you, I don't know, the Prince of Punch. How does that sound? Oh, look? my
1: goodness. All right. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> <It's not laughs> cool.
0: Justin Gray is Tampa Bay Chapter President of the United States Bartenders Guild. You can find lots more summer beverage inspo on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Click the Recipes tab and scroll down to Party Favorites. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. We also get help from Chandler Balcom, Hannah Abdel-Majid, and Mark Hayes. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.